Friends, will you pray with me a moment? Oh God, because we belong to you, because you say that we are yours, we want to hear from you too. God, we hear so many voices, um, mostly our own. We need to hear from you. So I humbly ask God um, that you use the preparations that went into the service, that um, you use your word to speak to us this morning, because we desire that, God. We desire to hear something from you. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you'll imagine with me for just a moment, a day here in Chicago, maybe about six months from now, it's nearly Christmas. That hurts, doesn't it? Yeah. The days are short and cold. The sun hangs low and weak on the horizon. On the plus side, it's not very humid out. You go to bed on this December night under a mass of blankets and covers, and you wake up the next morning in the dark, only to notice that something has changed. Overnight, snow has come. Not just a little bit of snow, 14 inches of fresh snow. I mean, like, that's a lot, right? Especially in December, we're not ready for it. What happens when there's 14 inches of snow in December? You open your phone, you flip on the news and realize this great city has come to a complete stop. Schools are closed. Businesses aren't bothering to open up either. It's a snow day. And unless you own a snow plow, you're feeling pretty good. Right? Do you remember what it was like during the polar vortex in January and February? Everything shuts down. If you're a kid, do you have homework on a snow day? No, it's already done. If you have a commute, what's traffic like on a snow day? Super easy, because you're not driving on the road. Your deadlines, they just all got pushed back. Life comes to a standstill on a snow day. There's a whole clean slate, 24 hours stretching out in front of you. You are released from your ordinary responsibilities and obligations. We say that we live life 24-7. When there's a snow day, it gets dialed back to 24-6, right? Just one day is cleared out. Why do I bring this up in June? Like literally, summer just began. The longest day of the year was two days ago. The reason I bring this up in June is because this idea of living 24-6 instead of 24-7 is God's idea for everyone's life who follows Jesus. God has built a rhythm into the world, into creation. Counting in the Bible goes like this. One, two, three, four, five, six, stop. Literally, the Hebrew word for seven is Shabbat. Or in English, we would say Sabbath, which means time out, just hold it. One, two, three, four, five, six, stop. It's God's desire for us. It's his design for us to have one snow day every single week of our lives. Doesn't that sound awesome? If it really would work out that way, God desires to give you, all of you, the gift of a Sabbath day once per week, every week, 
for the good of your soul and spirit and body and mind. In the Bible, this idea of Sabbath or 24-6 is one of the deep threads or themes that stretches from the very first chapter of the Bible all the way to the very end. God started Sabbath in creation. And in the book of Revelation, at the very end of the Bible, God's people enjoy an eternal Sabbath where resting and experiencing the joy and delight of God never ends. For about a month this summer, we are going to explore this deep theme in Scripture because it is a deep well. And quite frankly, I am not the best Sabbath keeper, and I know a lot of you. Like, we are bad at this. But it's God's idea, it's his design for our joy and flourishing and energy and happiness to experience Sabbath. So why are we doing this now? Well, I think in many ways God is calling us in this congregation to a new season of action and outreach and loving people in Jesus' name. God designed us for all that action and for contemplation. God designed us for productivity and non-productivity. God designed us for work and rest. He designed us for a rhythm of all of those things. God set this rhythm. God laid down the beat at the foundation of creation. If you work all the time, which is what our culture asks of us, Jesus' words haunt me. You may gain the whole world, but what good is that if you lose your soul? Right? As a believer who likes to work hard, I want it both ways. I want to see us gain the world to work hard in Jesus' name and to gain our souls at the same time, to experience life. I'm going to share today's scripture reading with you from Genesis chapter 1 um, from what I think is one of the greatest kids' storybook Bibles ever put out. This is called the Jesus Storybook Bible by Sally Lloyd-Jones. Um, there's going to be a few pictures that come up with today's reading on the screen, so I invite you to open your eyes, your ears, and your heart and hear the word of the Lord today. In the beginning, there was nothing. Nothing to hear, nothing to feel, nothing to see, only emptiness and darkness, and nothing, nothing but nothing. But God was there, and God had an amazing plan. I will take this emptiness, said God, and I'll fill it up. Out of the darkness, I'm going to make light, and out of this nothing, I am going to make everything. Like a mama bird who flutters her wings over her eggs when her babies hatch, God hovered over the deep and silent darkness. He was making life happen. God spoke. That's all. And whatever he said, it happened. God said, hello, light. And light shone into the darkness, and God called this light day, 
and the darkness night, you're good, God said, and they were. And then God said, hello, sea, and hello, sky, and a great space opened up wide and deep and high. You're good, God said, and they were. And then God said, hello to the land. And there, splashing up through the oceans, came cliffs and mountains and sandy beaches. Oh, you're good, God said, and they were. And then God said, hello, trees, and hello, grass, and hello, flowers, and everything everywhere burst into life. God made the buds to bud and the shoots to shoot up and flowers to flower. You are so good, God said, and they were. And then God said, hello, stars, hello, sun, hello, moon. And whizzing into the cosmic darkness came fiery globes spinning around and around, whirling orange and purple and golden planets. You are good, God said. And they were, hello, birds, God said. And with a fluttering and a flapping and a chirping and a singing, birds began to fill the skies. And hello, fish, God said, and with a darting and dashing and wriggling and splashing fish filled up the seas, you all are good, God said, and they were. And then God said, hello, animals, and everybody came out to play. The earth became filled with noisy noises, growling and gobbling and snapping and snorting and happy fluffling. You're good, God said, and they were. And God saw all that he had made, and he loved them. And they were lovely because he loved them. But God saved the best for last. From the very beginning, God had a shining dream in his heart. He would make people to share his forever happiness. They would be his children, and the world would be their perfect home. So God breathed the breath of life into Adam and Eve. And when they first opened their eyes, the first thing they ever saw was God's face. And when God saw them, he was like a new daddy. You are like me. You look like me, God said. In my image, you are the most beautiful thing I've ever made. And God loved them with all his heart. And they were lovely because he loved them. So Adam and Eve joined in the song of the stars and the streams and the wind and the trees, the wonderful song of love to the one who made them. Their hearts were filled with happiness and nothing made them sad or lonely or sick or afraid, God looked at everything that he had made and he said this, perfect, very good, and it was. And then God rested and creation rested in delight. Now we must remember that all the mountains and oceans and galaxies and everything were nothing compared to how much God loved his children. He would move heaven and earth 
to be near them always, whatever happened, whatever it cost him, God would always love us. And so it was that the wonderful, painful, beautiful love story began. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Did you catch the line that creation and people were lovely because He loved us? That is so good and so true. The Bible intends to teach us in Genesis chapter 1 that it is the one true God who made everything we see. It wasn't randomness. It wasn't chaos. It wasn't a team of gods. It was just the one true God that breathed everything into existence and into life. And why did God do this? This is the big idea of the first chapter in the Bible. Why did God do that? Because he had so much love in his heart that he couldn't help it but to breathe a universe into being and share himself and create image bearers so that people like us might, might know him and love him and get it in response. And God built a rhythm into creation. Six days of work and then a day of rest. That's what he did, and that's what he has designed for us. Now I want to share with you a short description of the Sabbath day that we'll keep coming back to over the next month, and it is this. Sabbath equals worship, rest, and play or delight. That is the recipe from the Bible. If you really want to experience God's pattern for all creation, this is what we need as human beings, one out of every seven, a day totally set aside for worship, rest, and delight. Number one, we worship God when we come to a place like this, and we allow God to fuss over us rather than we fussing over our own lives. You hear what I'm saying? Like, there's enough to worry about six days a week. We come here, and we get to hear the gospel once a week. How much Jesus loves us. God fussing over our life. We come to worship because God said over the universe, it is good. And we come into a place like this, and we sing our songs, which basically say, you're right, God. It's good. And you're good. The Sabbath day is a day to be full of love and affection and exuberance and honesty toward God. It's ideal to begin your Sabbath day in a place of worship like this. I know there's a bunch of people watching on live stream this morning. That is a good option. Like sometimes you're sick, you can't be in public. That's why live stream exists in technological culture these days. However, if you're a member of this church and you find yourself in another state, in another country, the best way for you to celebrate a Sabbath is to go find an actual body of believers wherever you are. And then if you want to tune into this live stream later, awesome. But the Sabbath is designed for God's children to be together as a family. Element number two, the Sabbath day is a good day for rest. It's the best day of the week for a nap. The older I get, the more naps I need. Can I get a witness? <laughs> the Sabbath is a great day for letting go 
and letting God. This is why I started with this snow day metaphor, this feeling of freedom and ease where every other day's responsibilities and obligations loosen their grip and instead we are able to be held by God. It's the day where you get to fulfill the idea, oh, I wish I could, but there wasn't time for that Monday through Saturday. If you love reading under a blanket, the Sabbath day is the day for that. If you love drinking tea with your people, the Sabbath day is the best day for that. If you love talking around the table with people you really care about, if that energizes you, that is the day for that. If you love playing a musical instrument, there is no better day to be refreshed by the power of music than on the Sabbath day. It was my birthday last Thursday. It felt like a Sabbath day to me. Here's why. I went downtown with some good friends. They were super nice to me. They even brought a birthday cake. And for two and a half straight hours, we listened to one of the world's finest musicians, this Chinese-American Yo-Yo Ma, play a cello. I mean, unbroken solo cello for two and a half hours. It felt to me as if about 12 minutes of time elapsed. My musical brain was literally transported into heaven. It was Thursday, but it was like the Sabbath happened for me. Like, that's, if you get an experience like that on a Sabbath day, you are doing Sabbath right. Number three, the Sabbath is a day for delight. It's a day to spend time with your favorite people. And if they're far away, it's the day to call them or Skype them. Sabbath day is the day for doing something that is truly fun and life-giving for you. It is the perfect day to be outdoors, to ride a bike, to take a walk, to feed the ducks, to do something that reminds you that God has made this big, beautiful world and you actually get to enjoy it with your eyes and your ears and your hands. And part of play means feasting. It means eating good food, preferably that has been made by someone else prior to you enjoying it. Right on. Doesn't this sound like the best day ever? Does any of this sound like a hard rule that you would have to like break your knuckles to follow? That is not what the Sabbath is. I mean, imagine a day where you wake up feeling pretty good. You get to go to church. There's a lively service. The band sounds great. You witness baptisms. Then you go home. You eat some great food. You pass out for a half-hour nap. Then you wake up and have a great conversation, take a walk outdoors with your favorite people, and then spend a little quiet time reading or watching a movie in the evening. Like, that is a great Sabbath day in Jesus' name, and God wants to give this to you one out of every seven, will you let him? <laughs> Some early adopters. I love it. Did you notice that there was zero work? There was zero catching up on email. There was zero vacuuming. There was zero worrying. There was zero to-do list in anything that I mentioned. My goal this morning is to intrigue you with the notion of Sabbath as defined by God so that you might find yourself falling in love with this day. I am not trying to get you to do anything. This is not a pastor sales job, like no pressure. Like God is giving the universe one out of seven and I'm just humbly asking in Jesus' name, 
would you consider accepting this gift, like embracing it in a deep, deep way? If we did this as a community, we would have so much spiritual energy, so much Holy Spirit awareness, that then on Monday through Saturday, we would be an unstoppable force in Jesus' name. So you might be asking, how? How could I do this? There's so many questions. Is this supposed to start up at start at sunup and go to sunup? Is it supposed to be from 7 to 7? What's the right time? I mean, I have a job where I work lots of Sundays, you might be thinking, or you might be thinking, you know, I have two jobs just to pay the bills, or you might be a healthcare professional who has to work on a nurse. Maybe you're a pastor. I mean, we have to work a little bit on Sundays. Like, how is this supposed to happen? Can I use technology? Where's the rule book that shows me how to do this? Can I still buy stuff on Sunday? Can I go out to lunch, Pastor Greg, on Sunday? These are all great questions. They will be addressed in future sermons on this topic. (laughs) There is no rule book. The idea of Sabbath is to create a free people, not a rule book following people. God wants a free people who loves him so much that they are willing to let it all go, one out of seven, and trust that God has everything so that our spirits and our bodies and our minds and our souls can be refreshed. I will say this for today. In order to truly celebrate the Sabbath, it definitely takes a strong desire. You have to want it. And it also will take a little bit of preparing to get yourself ready for that day so that the decks are cleared so that you can actually let things go. So few North American Christians observe the Sabbath. Think about the people in your life. Regrettably, most of us spend our days overworking, overcommitting, and then regularly crashing and burning. And it is slowly undoing many of us. I know there are some of you here today who literally are thinking, I can't keep doing what I'm doing. If that is you, God is offering you this beautiful, gentle invitation today saying, I have designed and created this world for a better way. Maybe there's a way for you to embrace this. We know what a weekend is, but we don't know what a Sabbath is. We know what vacation is, but not most of us are fluent in the Sabbath. The Bible says very little, nothing about vacation. It says an awful lot about the Sabbath from beginning to end to try to coach us into living 24-6, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, stop. I would like to give you a final example about what Sabbath living looks like. My friend Kyle Olson is going to lay down a groove on the drums that represents the rhythm of creation. Something in four, bro. So when, he, when you are keeping time, like, it feels good, right? Now there's some people here who want to clap on one and three, but we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. Come on. And doesn't that feel good? That's what your life feels like when you are living according to Sabbath. Will you lay down another groove? Same, same groove. 
I'm now going to be a person who's like the average American. Please clap randomly and sporadically. That is a lot of nonsense. And that is how we as a culture are living our lives. The rhythm of creation is in the background and we are just all doing our own thing when we feel like it. Wouldn't it be beautiful if we kept time with the Holy Spirit and we're all living according to the rhythm that God has built into the universe altogether? Oh my goodness. Let us fall in love with the Sabbath day and fall in love with God once again. In Jesus' name, will you pray with me? Lord, you made us, and you made us to know you. You made us to work, yes, and you have made us to rest in you. God, give us the wisdom to pattern our days in a way that keeps us free and rested and open to you. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake, and everybody said, amen.